0: Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium podcast. I am Craig, your host. And over there, uh, we've got both Ryan and Kyle. Welcome, guys. Hello. Both they, of you are stupid. That is the insult that I've got for you today. I've got
1: nothing else. It was a little more hurtful than usual. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> it's, it's harder to tell.
2: You were joking in that case. Right? <laughs> Direct and true. Those are the most painful insults.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, today we are talking The High King. This is the fifth and final book in the uh, Perdane Chronicles. Yeah, there are some others. There's the uh, collections of short stories and little things that you can get to supplement this. But for all intents and purposes, this is the end of the Perdane series. And it certainly is on our podcast. We are not going to be tackling the smaller works. uh, But I encourage you to do so if you have liked these books. Um, They are also charming. Uh, we're just not gonna cover them. So I I assume you guys are cool with that. Not not covering (laughs) this. I guess. This no, this series, um a so as we come to the end of it, I'll just say this. This this is my version of what Ryan got with the Belgariad in like year two of this podcast, if you mm-hmm. remember that, Ryan. Yeah. Um, nobody was emailing us saying, hey, you need to do the Belgariad. It was just like Ryan said, you know, this is a childhood favorite. This is one that I would really like for us to cover as a group. Uh, and so we did it. And that being said, that is one of the most uh, consistent sources of emails that I still get now, mm-hmm. is people saying, hey, thanks for doing the Belgariad. Yeah. Like nobody nobody emails me that about what. Mm -hmm. You know, and nobody emails me that about Sanderson. Hey, thanks so much for covering Sanderson. There's not much content out there (laughs) these days for these things. (laughs) Exactly. But we're one of the only ones that does uh, Belgariad, you know, and now uh, I think we can add Perdane to that list. This is my childhood favorite. So I appreciate you guys uh, playing along with this one. I hope you had fun with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Kyle, you are the brand newcomer. So before we tackle the High King itself, uh, just tell me, uh, how have you enjoyed this journey up to this point?
2: I've really liked it. In fact, I've been reading through it thinking I'm excited to read this to my kids here pretty soon again mm. cuz Abby's kind of the age where I think she could start reading this and, and she's 8 years old and we could I could read it to her, but it's been very it's been very nice because I think uh usually we're reading very long, dense epic fantasy and it's been nice to have just a quick little story that's I think we covered it last time but it's it's deep in the lessons learned and like life takeaways, but it's light in just adventure and it's not overly heavy. So I I've liked it a lot.
0: It, it yeah, it kinda, it doesn't ask a lot of you, mm-hmm. but it but it will give a lot to there's you. There's some if, you know
2: there's some Welsh names in there that are that are difficult to pronounce. <laughs> true. But other than that, outside of those names, uh, no, it's, it's pretty easy and it gives, like you said, it gives back a lot, so. Yeah,
1: yeah. Ryan, what about you? This is a second or third reread for you? I'm not sure how many rereads this is for perdane for me, because it's one that I did do multiple times growing up, uh, but it. But it's been a while. It's been a while. It definitely has been a while since I've opened this up. I did start, uh, reading this to my son probably a year or so ago, and we got to the second book and it just kind of faded. Mm-hmm. He lost a little of interest, so. I'm going to give him another year and I'll probably dive back into it and try again uh, mm-hmm. because it is good. Uh, it's a really enjoyable story and I think that, you know, he'll be more ready for it and I'll have a different take on it now as an adult having read it uh, again and, and taking a little more of the lessons and maybe I can emphasize those uh, those lines in there a little bit more make sure, <laughs> hey, pay attention, Daddy's reading this line here. You cannot <laughs> conquer evil with a wish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very important i mean child I, I think that's a great
2: idea i can't tell you how many times i've told my eight-year-old like and what happened to bilbo when he went off the path you know so you use those lessons in the middle of you know, in in life it's great it sounds like kyle's version of sunday school exactly <laughs> so, parenting via the
1: legendarium how to guilt your children using books exactly 100%. yeah no,
0: we are here to offer a service and damn it we will offer that service um mm-hmm. So yeah, for my part, uh, obviously I love these books and uh, have waxed nostalgic about them as we've gone through these episodes. Taryn Wander for me is the um, is the uh, psychological and ideologically ideological high point of the series. Just with we talked about this last time with the amount of lessons learned and the amount of uh, of personal growth that Taryn goes through and that we can hopefully see in ourselves or or try to emulate ourselves. Uh, but The High King is, obviously, it's the uh, it's it's the finale of the series, and so this is, adventure-wise, kind of the high point. Uh, so let's talk about The High King, um, and, and I should warn people, spoilers abound, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and I'm going to give an unprepared uh, recap in just a moment, after I remind people to go to thelegendarium.com. Uh, where you can find links to Patreon and Discord and all this stuff. So if you like the show and you want to participate in the discussions, or if you like the show so much that you want to throw a buck in the tip jar, please go to thelegendarium.com, and that'll show you where you can do that. Um, one of these days, I'll add a link to our merch, because we do have some. I just haven't bothered with it for a while. So uh, anyway, all right, let's talk The hiking. Um, which, as I was typing it out just now, getting ready for the recording I, I was saying it in my head, and for the first time in my life I went, ha ha, ha hiking
1: to where? Where huh? Are we going we're we going on a hike? And you felt good enough about that to bring it up again, did you? I, I
0: felt <laughs> foolish enough that I thought other people might enjoy my foolishness. So uh all right. The hiking takes uh it takes place right after Terran Wanderer. He's gone on his adventure of self-discovery, uh, and is on his way back to Caradal Ben, finds out that we is there, and uh you know, sprints the rest of the way home to be reunited with her. <laughs> Ryan, sorry. Ryan just held a sneeze and had a look on his face. Like I have never seen in my life. And Moose I was a yawn, not a sneeze. Oh, sorry. Oh, wow. Already. Yep. Hang in there, man. We got another 45 minutes to go. Um, where was I? He's reunited with I Lonely. Yes. Uh, only to find out that uh, a new, and as we find out final adventure awaits uh, because Uh, Gwydion, Prince of Dawn, has been attacked by none other than Aran Deathlord himself, uh, who came out of Anuvan and uh, tricked Gwydion into thinking that he was Terran, um, and attacked him with some huntsmen and uh, took Durnwin, the magical sword that we first saw in Book 1. We come to find out that Durnwin isn't just a magical sword, it's not just uh, this important thing, it's the key to destroying Iran Deathlord, mm-hmm. uh, so they need to get it back, and thus begins our quest. Well, the quest gets sidetracked because uh, not only has Iran stolen the sword, but he has felt so secure in this now that he's gathered all his armies and he's going to come crush uh, the, uh, Sons the, Don. the Sons of Dawn, the Sons of Dawn, and the the forces for good in the lands of Perdane. And so he comes out. There's a battle. The good guys lose, um, and they march on Iran Deathlord to try to you know in one de- desperate last attempt uh, to defeat him they uh, there there's many many pages of trudging through with battles and uh, mountain passes and snow and fires and caves and all this stuff but finally they arrive there and Terran uh, by accident seemingly by accident as Tolkien would say so, you know as if by providence <laughs> finds the sword dernwin under a rock that you know where it's been uh laid for safekeeping he finds Dernwyn, uses it to destroy the deathless cauldron born and defeats aran death lord of once once and for all the finale of the book is terran uh, and Ilanwi and all the companions being offered the chance to set sail with the princes of dawn uh out into the west does this sound familiar it should um They're, they're all being offered the chance to go out, uh, into the, the undying lands as Tolkienites might say, and he ends up saying no, uh, because he has made commitments to people in Perdane. He feels like he, he needs to keep those commitments. He would, he wouldn't feel restful if he went and, uh, was trying to, uh, you know, live a life of joy and plenty forever while the good people of Perdane were suffering back at home, um. And so he chooses to remain. He and Ilanwi uh, are married, and he becomes High King of Pardane because you know, well, you know, just because. Yeah. <laughs> There's <laughs> really it. no reason for it other than uh, you know seems like seems like he's seems the like protagonist. He's a good dude. Yeah. He <laughs> hashtag protagonist. So yep. that's the end of the story. I, we're making light of it, but I did find the last chapter or two really delightful. Um, in that you catastrophic way that we've talked about with the Lord of the Rings and with some other things, you can go watch my YouTube video on you catastrophe and what that means. Uh, but I, I really did like the final chapters. So we're going to talk about the whole story. I mean, pieces of it, but let's talk about the very end first. I know that's weird, but we're going to do it that way. Did the landing or did the ending land for you guys after five books? Um, did you feel like, Oh, you know what? I'm, I love this happily ever after stuff and these characters that hopefully you've come to know and love. They're getting what they deserve. They all this happiness and joy and marriages and kingships and all this stuff. Did it land for you guys or is it too childish for you to care?
2: I mean, it, it lands fine. It, it is a children's story. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was slightly disappointed because I was actually excited early on when Gwydion comes and you learn that he's, you know, he's the, new high king so based off of the the title of the book i'm thinking oh Taryn's going to become the high king spoiler alert you know and then <laughs> yeah. show, Gwydion shows up and it's like oh Gwydion's the high king and i was like oh cool this could be interesting maybe Terran doesn't actually become the high king and then when uh, everything happens and Gwydion sells off and he does end up becoming the high king i was like okay fine uh but in in traditional fantasy trope children's story like yeah he's gonna become the high king and be the you know hap- live happily ever after i think the thing that stood out to me the most was that elanwe had to make the decision to not be a magical person anymore she had to get rid of her magic in order to stay with taryn and that's right. what stood out to me the most and i was like oh that's an interesting an interesting choice an interesting uh just turn in the story i I wasn't expecting her to have to not be magical anymore
0: (laughs) he kind of makes a similar choice in that he's giving Mm up eternal life and eternal happiness for i I think as as the the prophecy that we've never heard of and Mm -hmm. is revealed on the last page says uh you know he'll reject a kingdom of of happiness for a kingdom of sorrow Mm -hmm. um that's one of the ways you'll know who the high king is supposed to be and so that's terren so i I think they both make a similar choice Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's it's interesting. He makes his choice knowing that, or believing that it will mean he has to leave Ilanwi, right. Or she has to leave him. Right. She makes the choice knowing that she won't be able to be half an enchantress anymore, as she often says. Uh, yeah. So they both make that choice. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan, what about you? How'd the ending land?
1: Uh, about half and half. I and it. That's different from when I read it earlier, because as a kid, I love. Like I really enjoyed its happy ending. Everything here. Uh, this time, I will be honest, and I will say that I loved all the happy endings. I loved everything, but I just kept going. Oh, so you just took the ending of Lord of the Rings? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't like. I don't want you to do Lord of the Rings Junior here. Like, I I just kind of got this point. Like, oh, they're sa- okay. You're literally sailing off. The- okay, that's fine. And uh, all right, I guess this. I don't know. There was just something about that that went that made me feel like the author didn't truly finish his story he just kind of went and now we get into the Lord of the Rings closer. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> like, it, <laughs> I mean it does feel like just like kind of a
2: tying off loose ends cuz to your point earlier Craig like Terran Wanderer I feel like is the climax of the story there's a like the character journey and all of that and where Terran ends at the at the ending of the last book I feel like is a very compl- a very complete feel for his arc and then there's all these things that are still happening and this wraps all those things up but it does kind of feel like oh crap i got a bunch of stuff left over and uh that's a pretty good ending over there we'll just kind of
1: make it happen i wanted it to end the way that it ended which is really weird to say that i wasn't entirely happy with it because everyone got exactly what i wanted them to get and what they deserved through the whole thing it's like perfect
2: except for but it's just (laughs) yeah no it just
1: feels like it was somebody else's work at that point
0: mm -hmm. i see what you're saying there. You can you can pay homage, you can have echoes to another work, but when it's like we're saying sailing off into the West, into the Undying Lands, uh, you know, and and those who you know, like Gimli gets to go at the end of Lord of the Rings. Gimli gets to go with Legolas because of their great friendship. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh but you're not an elf, but okay, yeah, you come along. And it's kind of the same thing where it's like, um, Gurgi, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. Glue, you're an annoying piece of garbage that yeah. <laughs> doesn't deserve His anything. only major
1: contribution was that you f- knocked it. <laughs> you like, accidentally caused tunnel, a
0: cave-in. Cave-in, yeah. Uh, you know, but so it's, there's so many, it, it's not just similarities. It's like, you know, we're, we're venturing into ripoff territory now. So, so if- I get that. But I will say, um, <laughs> tropes like that, I'm fine with them, especially in a, a book that's meant for Kids. 12 year olds, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's like when you're an adult, Ryan, I mean, you know, when you're in your thirties and you've read, I don't know how many dozens of series and hundreds of books, uh, you know, with this kind of formula. And at a certain point, you're like, you know what? I would really love to have some of these tropes upended. Surprise me. Yeah. Give me something. Yeah. Um, But the reason you know about the tropes is because of books like this. Yeah. Right. And so while for us, it might be, uh, it's a little eye rolling for a kid um, who hasn't read The Lord of the Rings because they're, you know, this is more accessible to them. um, I'm willing to forgive it to a certain extent, but I see what you're saying.
1: Yeah. That's why I like when I say like, as a kid, this is a perfect happy ending for me. I really enjoyed it. here. It's only because of my recognition now of the source material and where it comes from that I have this itch. Sure. Itch. Sure. So. Kyle, you were about to say something.
2: Oh, I was just going to make a joke about taking, you were talking about being in ripoff territory. We'll just take the eye of the world and the ending <laughs> of this book, and that'll just be the Lord of the Rings. There you go. Nice.
0: Uh, so so it's not just about the ending, obviously. There's a whole story that happens. Um, and I will say this, as I was reading through it this time, it occurs to me that this book is the closest that this series gets to uh, how do I say this? Not not adult, but not grown up, but, you know, quote unquote, <laughs> real non-children's fantasy books where, you mm-hmm. know, lots of battles, uh, mm-hmm. lots of- It's the um, most
1: mature of all of them, for sure.
0: Yeah, lot, lots of um, uh, strategy and whatnot where it's taking a break from the internal stuff going on, especially with Taryn, but with some of the other companions as well. And it's all about that external- Epic conflict. That's what I'm getting at. That's the word mm-hmm. I'm looking for. This gets the closest to epic fantasy, mm-hmm. um, in the scope of what it does. Um, it was world. game like
1: endgame. <laughs> pretty much what like <laughs> yeah. I was reading through the, today. It was like, oh yeah, we're bringing every character Terrence interacted with back. Here we go. Okay, we're getting everybody back. Oh, the whole crew is back together and do this. All right, who's gonna die? All right, you're gonna die, and you're gonna die, and yeah, <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah, no, I, I totally.
0: Um, oh. and I, I, yeah, I kind of. Sometimes it's a little cheesy, um, where it's like, why didn't you just let Dorath die at the end of book four? Um, well, you know, because it'll be cool to bring him back. and But why? You know, so sometimes it's a little bit of an eye roll. But for the most part, I delighted in all of the stuff coming back to play. Um, and learning some of the answers to the questions we've had for four books. So I also
2: think it's worth calling out, like I don't know if this was the intention, but as a young reader, those are those are interesting learning points when you get a character from three books ago that you haven't seen for that long that comes back. And like it just it teaches readers how to pay better attention. It teaches readers how to think back on what they've read before and mm-hmm. like remind themselves, okay, who's this guy that's coming back? Um and so I could see that being very enticing to a younger reader mm-hmm. and not, not even that they would know it consciously, but like it builds those skills. Cause if you're going to read, you know, deeper literature or, or epic fantasy, you're going to need those skills to recall mm-hmm. things that happened two, three books ago. And uh, like, I said, I don't know that it's intentional, but I think it's worth mentioning here that this happens on a, a smaller, uh, easier to, process scale here
0: no i think that's a really smart point my my eight-year-old is going through harry potter for the first time he's you know a third of the way through book one and he'll get to the end of a chapter and i'll say so so what's happened in the story and he can tell me what happened like 10 pages ago but Mm -hmm. not five chapters ago Mm -hmm. as easily and so yeah that's like a, a skill that he has to build i think that's a smart point good call kyle ryan it looked like you were about to say something nope no okay uh so he was just gonna sneeze again except <laughs> <laughs> yawn it was a yawn, oh, it was a yawn. Excuse me. um okay so <sighs> where to begin where to be- well begin where to go next i should suppose i should say um how do you- i have a question Where oh, you okay go, next? go for it
2: how do you feel about what you had mentioned in the recap about Taryn just happening upon hmm. the mcguffin inside of a hollow rock or whatever <laughs> you know like yeah like
0: it's all That's covered a trope. in the prophecy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a all trope, covered in the prophecy. But We're good.
2: How do we feel about
0: it? I, uh, this is actually very close to what I was going to say. Let's right. talk about prophecy um, and how you guys feel about the prophecy. Okay, but to answer your question directly, how do I feel about it? Um, I I am fine with it, especially for kids when it's this blatant. Right. You know, a lot right. of books use chance or the the appearance of Tavirin. chance to solve prob- problems. Yeah, Taviran is a big one. Um a lot of books do that this is crazy blatant right mm-hmm. there's no there's no subtlety involved in finding dernwin it's like well anyway uh, i mean it
2: literally is like kicked over a rock on the side of the road oh shit, there's the thing that we need <laughs> yeah.
0: like sorry um Bleak so that. oh that's fine um it's, this is only a podcast for
2: children, so it's, it's yeah. cool. Well, I say that in front of my children. They're they're doomed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They're Mount doomed. Um, <laughs> I Yeah, I, I don't mind it when it's for kids. If, it, if this was a book that was aimed at adults, I'd be like, oh, come on, dude. Come <laughs> on. But no, I don't mind it. Um, I, and I could see how it might rub somebody the wrong way if they don't. Um, and I'm going to wade into dangerous territory here. Um. But if you're not of a certain religious conviction, which is to say pretty much of any religious conviction, you might find it more objectionable. But the the idea behind this kind of thing, and, and Tolkien wasn't the first to do it, but you know that's who Lloyd Alexander was uh, <laughs> paying homage to, to put it kindly. Um, but it's a, a trope in all these books where things happen as if by chance. But the author's purpose is to tell you that hey, if you do your best, if you uh, are a good person, you do it your duty, you're kind, whatever. Then for the your shortcomings, the stuff that isn't working out for you, don't worry. God will step in and make the rest happen. Um, that was kind of Tolkien's big thing. Like when Frodo fails at the end of the, the Lord of the Rings. He fails to throw the ring in the fire. Well, yeah, but he did literally the best that he could. And God stepped in and said, yeah, well, now I'm just going to kind of nudge Gollum into that fire and we're good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I could see how it might be, it might rub somebody the wrong way if they don't share that kind of religious conviction that these authors seem to. Um, and I, I don't share the same religiosity as, as they do, but I'm I'm okay with that as a as a storytelling mechanism, agree or not. I I don't know. So what about you?
2: Yeah. I I mean, you, you kind of hit it like for the kid's story, especially where it's super blatant, I'm fine with it because it is, it is easier for the kid to be like, you're asking a lot from a young reader already. Um, And so having that just show up on the side of the road and be like, okay, yeah, we're, we're good to go. I think that's okay. I like the idea of destiny in general. Um, I think that the reason I wanted to call it out is we've called it out a few times through the course of the series, but seasoned readers need to read this with a younger reader mindset and not be so critical of it. And so I wanted to call it out because it it was so obvious, so (laughs) eye rolling that that is one thing where people could be, get held up on, but it's like, it's, it's meant to be that easy because consider your audience. Right.
0: Yeah. And there. So let's talk about the other parts of the prophecy. I kind of had fun with this one because it was so freaking blatant. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> where It's like the river of fire will run and Durnan's flame will be quenched. And what was the other? Oh, uh, night will turn to noon and all mm-hmm. that stuff and it's like oh my gosh it's so cryptic what does it mean and then it's just like very literal as the story goes on these little these plot points uh, get you know spelled i appreciate
2: out. a prophecy that just says what it is <laughs> you know <Right. laughs> none of this deciphering or whatever i appreciate it night's gonna turn to noon literally it's gonna happen
0: Henwen did not exactly write the koreathon cycle <laughs> let's let's be clear
1: yeah <laughs> ryan what were you gonna say i've how, within the context of the story itself, though, it's it's not that clear because all of our characters go Well, night never turns to noon. How do you turn water into fire and rocks talking? Like what? Like To them, it's very much, oh, we've we've lost, but we're going to continue on anyway. Uh, to us as readers, like, oh, yeah, believe me, this is a magic realm. There's some way you're going to make all this happen. And then you're going to turn real. I go, oh, look what we just did which they literally do lines afterwards when Ai Way walks up and goes, look, you guys, you fulfilled the prophecy. Then they're like, wait a minute, Elon We, you did too. <laughs> Can you believe that?
2: Star wipe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, it's a little tongue in cheek here with this, but I mean, it, it's all, it all works inside of the story. Mm-hmm. It's, there's nothing outside of it. The only thing about prophecy in general, this that as an adult reader, I look at and I go, this conflicts a little bit with a, with part of the story that you're telling later, but just a little bit, just enough for me to go, meh, uh, not enough to care or say anything negative about it. But you have a whole sequence at the end with the three fates uh, who come back and give him the tapestry that he's woven, mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or his discussion with Dalben about the Book of Three that you're just a big perhaps, you know. It's, I it's, love the loved that if. bit. It's like, the, like loved that. It's really reinforcing the idea that you always have agency, you have all these things, but the prophecy is kind of. a... Uh, Uh, It kind of undercuts that a little bit by saying these are the things that are going to happen, and you are destined to do them so long as you go on this journey. That's like the one way I can connect the two, because you, the end, you make a big deal about free agency, but you motivate and you drive everything through a predestination ability, right? Thing like that. It's the only thing. I'm like, okay, eh, that's causing a little cognitive dissonance, but not enough to care.
0: But not yeah, but not when you're 11.
1: No, yeah, right.
0: When you're 11, it's just nice.
1: Cognitive dissonance at 11 is what's happening to my body.
0: (laughs) So what is happening to your body, Ryan?
1: I don't know. I'll tell you when it finishes. (laughs)
0: Uh that's one giant yike for mankind all right
2: so tune in next week for ryan's maturation oh geez uh, in
0: future
1: episodes when you hear me speaking deeper oh gosh
0: that reminds me tangent time sarah's watching station 11 on something or other is that on netflix or hbo hbo i think uh it's it, never mind doesn't matter what the show is but she she came to me all excited yesterday and she said um she said i was watching station 11 and they actually showed a birth, like legs open, camera right up in there, baby coming out. Like it was, it was the show a birth. And I was like, oh, you mean they went full miracle of life on HBO? <laughs> yeah. Seen it. I'm good.
1: So. Yeah, that's that's not a marketing point I want. I <laughs> <that> definitely <laughs> just put things on the side of maybe yeah. I don't want to watch that. So,
0: okay. So let's, let's get back to the fact that this is the Lord of the Rings. Because it is. <laughs> Um, this is the Lord of the Rings and, uh, it's not just in its, uh, not just in its aesthetics (laughs) or, you know, the sons of dawn sailing off into the West or whatever. Um, but also in the lessons that it's teaching. Um, and this is where I, I, I am more willing to forgive it. I'm sure that this is largely nostalgia based, you know, I've loved these books since I was a kid, so I'm willing to forgive certain faults or whatever. Uh, but. Yeah, I am willing to forgive those things. One of the things that it does is packages the exact same messages in an easier format for kids to understand. So I was keeping track of a few of those things. Um, there's the one. The one lesson is um, just because the forces of evil win a battle doesn't mean that all is lost, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? So that's a big theme from the Lord of the Rings. Like you keep trying, you keep going. Um, just because the fellowship has been scattered, just because, um, you know, you, yeah, you may have quote unquote won the battle at Minas Tirith doesn't mean that you're not still freaking screwed, right? You, you've lost the war by winning this battle. Um, so there's, uh, but, they, but they keep fighting on. And that's kind of a similar thing here in this book where uh, Ker Dathil uh, is the the seat of the Sons of Dawn. That's where Prince Gwydion and High King Math live. Um, and it, it's sacked halfway through the book. Um, and the cauldron born have come through the, their biggest ally has turned against them. Everything is going wrong. And what do they do? You know, Gwitty and Taryn, all the rest of them, they, they pick themselves up and say, all right, what's next? Mm-hmm. What can we do? You know, just because we lost this battle doesn't mean we lost the war. So there's that one. Um, there's also the, uh, the Gollum lesson, show kindness, show mercy, and it'll be returned to you um, in some way, maybe not maybe not by that creature. But it, there were echoes of that in, with the Gwethaint, mm-hmm. um, where Taryn saved the, the evil Gwethaint bird in the first book. And then it comes back <laughs> at the end of book five to, you know, the eagles are coming, the eagles are coming, and saves him uh, and, you know, helps him on his way. Uh, so there's that one. I do have another, but did you guys pick up on any other, like, life lessons that... Uh,
1: that were echoed between the two books. Well, I've got bent pages that are marking specifically some of those uh, lines that are teaching the lessons that can be compared across. Um, when he meets the high bard of all the land, the high bard of mm. Dane, Taliesin. Taliesin. And, uh, and he's talking to everyone and just casually dropping truth bombs on every single individual, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, end of Wizard of Oz type moment. Um, when he's talking to Gergi, and Gurgi's like, oh, I wish I had wisdom, but uh, you know, I would go without food to gain wisdom. It's the one thing I don't have. And Taliesin puts uh, says to him, "Do you believe you have none? That is not true. Of wisdom, there are as many patterns as a loom can weave. Yours is the wisdom of a good and kindly heart. Scarce it is, and it is worth all the greater. Uh, moments like that, you know, kind of going back to the kindness you talked about, the Guthane. Your samwise Gamji. Yes, exactly. The 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 power of a kindly heart of doing of being good and kind and loyal and faithful uh is you know it's its own power its its own wisdom and you know he goes through and kind of points out the same thing with other characters like call you know his ability to tend the gardens and everything that's that's its own form of wisdom and i think that's uh, that's a great lesson that kind of parallels between you can go through other characters in lord of the rings and things like that and say this is uh you learn this from them you learn friendship from legolas and Gimli's together their connection you learn you know dedication and loyalty through sam stuff like that it's it's all there yeah um another one that i thought of was
0: uh the the land has been saved by us but it's for you um kind of this idea that like okay so now you're now the real world is calling what are you going to do with it? And so it like it, internally in the story, that's, um, you know, kind of, uh, the elves leave, the sons of Don leave. Um, it, and, and our main character has no magic. Enchantment is gone from the land. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is all very similar again, very similar to the Lord of the Rings. Um, and now what are you going to do with it? The, uh, you, now you have to make the right choice. And you know it's kind of a, a lesson to the reader that, hey, you've been in, immersed in this story, you've been in this magical land. I uh, hope you had a great time. I hope you learned all these lessons because now you're going to close the book and you have to go back to the real world. What are you gonna do with it? Uh, that's kind of the one of, I should say, one of the big lessons at the end of the Lord of the Rings. and it's kind of the same thing here. Now Taryn is high King. Yeah okay, so no kid reading this book is going to be named high king of anything, uh, except his own, you know, little fort in the backyard. <laughs> uh, but you know, but you, you are very, c- can you be hiking of yourself? Can you show the qualities that, that Taryn taught you uh, that sort of thing? So, uh, that, that was a very similar lesson. Uh, anything else I'm missing from, from this book? Uh, I mean, I'm, I know that there are, I know I marked things, but I forgot to write it all down. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, one of them is, oh, well, greed, of course. Um, mm-hmm. The dwarves delved too greedily and too deep, and so did glue. Right.
1: Well, uh, it's kind of funny. If you really want to draw parallels across this in Lord of the Rings, like they go through Moria for a while in this, and that's, you know, they go through, uh, you could potentially say, like, the Red Fallows would also be like uh, the, fields of, was it the Fields of Pelennor, where... Everyone in like giant battle. Be, that's to,
0: our dead marshes.
1: Dead marsh. Okay, yeah, the dead marshes. That's a better, better, better fit there. There's, yeah. there's things across. I. It is entirely possible. I doubt it. But entirely possible. that Lord Alexander was like, okay, the next thing they need to read is Lord of the Rings. Let's get them ready for this with, with this sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, because this it's a good primer for it for a kid to. Oh, that's you know, so interesting. Get moved up.
0: Um, because it, this is all starting to kind of come together now. Where. Yeah, uh, we read uh, neither of you were on the episode, but we did um, uh, uh, Leaf by Niggle, mm-hmm. a short story that Tolkien wrote. Um, and it's kind of clear in that story that what he wants the Lord of the Rings to do is to bring is to bridge whatever people's experiences are now with his kind of Catholic conception of God and heaven and you know, good works and all this stuff. Um, and he so he is tr- trying with this fantasy story to bring people closer to what he thinks is the truth the r- the right way to live your life um and now we have like another bridge <laughs> for people to go from a to the lord of the rings mm-hmm. and then, you know and then, i don't know that's interesting i wonder if he was Listeners, thinking please that please note
1: that in that comparison god is the lord of the rings <laughs> 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 and Leaf by Nigel is the Pradane Chronicles. I that's... just want to make sure that we we've really truly established this. <laughs> uh, no, we we just... all knew it was the case, but we've we've very clearly stated it now. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh
0: yeah. Okay. So that that was that was a very weird. That was a very weird moment. Um anything else? A- anything that you guys are displeased with um from this book that were that were so egregious. That you couldn't just be like, ah, oh, it's for 11-year-olds, so... It, but, you know, it, was there anything really egregious in this book?
2: Honestly, I don't think so. I mean, it's a kid's story, like we said. We called out some of the things that were just, like, egregiously obvious, like mm-hmm. the sword on the side of the road and stuff like that, but that th- there are instances of that throughout, and I think, again, for the audience, I think it's a perfectly well-contained story. I think he said something... Didn't he say something in like the foreword of of this story being different than the other ones, um, or the author's note? I'd have to look at it for a second and articulate it. But I think he he said he's he recognizes that there are faults within the story itself, but that his intent was to um, kind of broaden the scope a little bit and and entertain and and inform. So I'd I'd have to get the exact verbiage and look it up and it would take some dead air but
0: oh that's okay he says i must however warn readers of this fifth chronicle to expect the unexpected its structure is somewhat well which is hilarious now 60 Mm -hmm. years later nothing (laughs) unexpected in this book right um unless you're 11 um its structure is somewhat different its range wider if there's more external conflict i've tried to add more inner content which i i think plays into what we were talking about before um there's not so much mm-hmm. <laughs> raging internal conflict in this book. Um, what does he say? If the form follows that of the traditional hero tale, the individuals, I hope, are genuinely human. Um, blah, blah, blah. And though it deals with battle on an epic scale, um, our characters are pressed to the limits of their strength. It's a battle whose aftermath is deeper in consequences than the struggle itself something yeah. yeah anyways just is there the something
2: idea, in there you're looking for no just in the idea that he's <laughs> he's acknowledging like it's not like reader this isn't a perfectly perfect story there's some obvious um like it's 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 structure is different it there might be criticisms to be had but that ultimately it's it's still valuable
0: oh yeah um in his thanks to those who helped him kind of write these mm-hmm. stories he says uh, i offer these pages hoping they will find the result not too far below the promise right something like that yeah anyway um okay well we've only been going for honestly like 35 40 minutes um but i feel satisfied i i don't feel like we need to beat this book to death um talking about every last little thing i i am content to say that this book was really enjoyable and
2: probably uh, worth calling out it did win a newbery award that's true
1: so i just wish they wouldn't foil print the sticker right over the artwork i know (laughs) there
0: is that um i i will say the newbery award for this book feels a bit like all of the oscars for the return of the king where it's like yeah it's we're awarding this movie but really we're awarding the entire trilogy right and in this case it's like okay so yeah this book is fine but really when you look at all five together you you have done something remarkable Mm -hmm. um and i think so do you have
2: a so i maybe we since we're wrapping up Hmm. what's your favorite book out of the five
0: it's for me. It's Terran Wander, and it's mm-hmm. not particularly close. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I've laid out all my reasons last time as to why.
2: Yeah, I would. I'd say probably that as well. I'd say close second though would be. I. I really like the Black Cauldron. Mm.
1: So. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I. I. Despite the the feeling I had this time, I really enjoyed this one. It because it, it gave me the full culmination of the whole story. Uh, the High King. It also has. Uh, the ver has a story that I wish the Bible would have told the way that it was whole <laughs> uh did you guys catch you know we got Noah oh sure Medwin is Noah like, well that's we, we knew that in the first book so like well, we, we knew he, I don't remember him saying that he came on a boat in the first book
0: well, it's, it's so they in the first book they enter the valley and they see the ships and he talks about the flood and oh, yeah, I, like I, it's I, it was clear in the first book
1: but, but no one never sent them out of the boat to go kill people that's that that would have been awesome Noah <laughs> like, is a little more of a badass than anyone who's not drowned go bears go like <laughs> 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 unleash the vengeance of God Release and, the and hounds. Mef- on this. so uh, but no I I think that uh, I would probably say that this this one is probably my favorite just to enjoy the experience of mm. uh, the culmination of the whole piece yeah but Terran Wander is the best for lessons black cauldrons probably the most uh, unique of all of them
0: okay yeah I can I can get on board with that I will say I agree that Terran Wander is not as fun as this book um, this book has a, it uh, like he says in that uh, author's note it's different in structure right where mm-hmm. it, in the In the previous books, it's almost like a travelogue, especially the Black Cauldron, or no, i sorry, especially Terran Wander, and to a certain extent, the Black Cauldron and the Castle of Lear. Both of those have objectives, but the objectives kind of shift and only become clear later. This one is super clear from start to finish here's a thing that needs to happen. And the entire book is about making this thing happen. Mm -hmm. And there's no, there's no, it doesn't get distracted. Like I get distracted as I'm halfway through a sentence. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it is a little bit different and it's,
1: so it's more fun to read that way. Um, It fits the same way for me that it, it's the reason why I like watching return of the Jedi, even though I know empire strikes back is a better film. It's just more enjoyable for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool.
0: All right. Well, I I hope that other people enjoyed it as well. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, this is a labor of love for me. I know that, like, our numbers for these episodes have not been what they usually are, and that's totally fine. This was more about getting me selfishly, getting me back on track with uh, dealing with burnout and reading books again. And I'll tell you what, like, was it you, Kyle, who said, or I can't remember who said it earlier? It's nice to be able to pick up a book. That isn't 800 pages and the first part of a 10 book cycle, Mm -hmm. right? It is really refreshing where I, I, my responsibilities for the last few weeks, even though it's been a holiday break and all that have been many and difficult. And I, I wasn't able to get to this book until yesterday and I didn't sweat it (laughs) because I knew it would take, oh, you know, two, three hours of my time Mm -hmm. to get through it. And that's what it took. So refreshing. Um, So there is that. Anyway, I've loved these books, and I appreciate you guys uh, coming in on these as well, and appreciate everybody who did listen. Um, Glad glad you did, and I hope you enjoyed the books uh, if this was your first time reading them. So once again, go to thelegendarium.com, check out our wares there, our previous episodes, the Patreon link, the Discord link, and stick around. Uh, I know that if you're listening to this, you're probably a diehard fan of the podcast, because well, because of reasons I just said. So you probably already know this, but we are going to be tackling the Silmarillion next. Um, the first episode of which will be coming up one week from today. So I hope people are excited. I know people are excited for that. I'm excited for that. I have had people asking, wait a minute, what about Joe Abercrombie? You said Joe Abercrombie. Yes, yes and. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll be reading Joe Abercrombie uh, kind of simultaneously. I don't know who's gonna be on those episodes yet, but they'll happen. Um, anyways, so again, thanks everybody. Uh, enjoy Perdane whenever you read it again and uh, we'll see you next week for the Silmarillion